This morning's reading is starting in Daniel chapter 1 and verses 1 uh, to 21, and that can be found in the Blue Bibles on page 884. It's Daniel chapter 1, page 884. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. Among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach and to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. Now God had caused the official to show favour and compassion to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I am afraid of my lord the king, who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men of your age? The king would have my head because of you. Daniel then said to the guard, whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please test your servants for ten days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, 
he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. And Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. This is God's word. Everybody also said good morning, so I will continue that. Um, but thanks so much for reading, Ed. Um, and as Alex mentioned in his prayer, we're taking a break from Luke's Gospel. We will return there um, eight weeks' time. Uh, in the meantime, we're looking at uh, these earlier chapters, or half, I think half a book, really, of um, Daniel. Let me pray before I, we begin. Dear Father God, again, we thank you for this opportunity to look into your word. Please help me to communicate clearly. Please protect me from any thoughts that would distract us or prevent us from concentrating on what you're saying to us. Amen. Amen. Well, the world is falling apart. Too many countries are falling apart. This was a comment made just three days ago following the latest report on the numbers of displaced people across the world. As at the end of last year, just under 60 million. And displaced people are those who have fled their homes for shelter within their own country. Primarily, of course, as a result of conflict, but also natural disasters. It does not include the 27 million refugees, those who felt that there was no safe place in their own country. The comment was made by the Secretary General of the North. Norwegian Refugee Council. And he added uh, that the number of displaced people is a damning indictment of our inability to prevent and resolve conflict. And incredibly, the war in Ukraine has boosted the total of displaced people by more than 15%, a further 14 million, we're told. The circumstances for the people of Israel Uh, now in Babylon, were slightly different. They had been taken to Babylon, and some at least were being well provided for, indeed very well provided for. But it was not a situation that Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah and others welcomed. They were displaced and were not being allowed to live as strangers. They were being well treated, but were assigned to a programme of cultural re-education and indoctrination. But we, who have been chosen by God to be his people, to be part of his family and his kingdom, we are strangers in this world. We don't belong to the world. We are citizens of heaven. And so as foreigners in the world, we must expect to encounter rejection, hostility and enmity, especially if we resist the attempts to squeeze us into the world's mould, to live according to its standards, to accept its values, to pursue the goals and worship the idols expected of people of this world and give no thought to God or his laws and his purposes. Well, what can we learn from Daniel's experience? If you don't mind, I won't always repeat uh, the the names of his three friends, just to save a few minutes. Um, But first, I thought it would be helpful to look at the background to the exile. Uh, And we read in the book of Leviticus of the Lord's warning to Israel if they persisted in their sin. 
God made a, had made a covenant with them, there would be blessings for di- obedience and curses if they, if they disobe- disobeyed. Now, I thought we would do something that we don't normally do. I thought we would dip into Leviticus. Um, could you look at page 130? Just th- three verses uh, from uh, Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 26. Page 130. Um, I'll read verse 14. 14, the verses are on the screen. But if you will not listen to me and carry out all these commands, verse 17, I will set my face against you so that you will be defeated by your enemies. Those who hate you will rule over you and you will flee even when no one is pursuing you. I will scatter you among the nations and will draw out my sword and pursue you. Your land will be laid waste and your cities will lie in ruins. Those of you who are left will waste away in the lands of their enemies because of their sins, also because of their ancestors' sins. They will waste away. We know that God keeps every promise of both blessings and curses. And because of their persistent disobedience and rebellion, God did what he warned. The Lord finally handed them over into the power of their enemies, and so they went into exile. But there's a more specific prophecy uh, concerning the exile. So can we look at um, two kings? And it's just good to see how God's prophecies, how the prophecies in the Bible are all fulfilled, and those who have yet, not yet fulfilled will be. So page 392. Verse 16, then Isaiah said to King Hezekiah, hear the word of the Lord. The time will surely come when everything in your palace and all that your predecessors have stored up until this day will be carried off to Babylon. Nothing will be left, says the Lord. And some of your descendants, your own flesh and blood, who will be born to you, will be taken away and they will become eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. So what had King Hezekiah done to offend God? Well, he'd received envoys and a gift from the king of Babylon. And in response, he showed the envoys his storehouses, letting them see everything of value and all his treasures. And what you might might ask was, what was the harm of that? The problem was that in sending the gift, the king of Babylon was soliciting Hezekiah's support for Babylon with the ongoing struggle against Assyria. And so Hezekiah, by showing his envoys around his treasure houses, he was actually demonstrating that Israel had the resources to be a useful ally against Assyria. Hezekiah was becoming more confident in an alliance with with Babylon and losing his trust in God to protect them. And so about 80 years later, the Lord fulfilled the prophecy he had given to us Isaiah and Daniel found himself in Babylon. So it's a bit of a lengthy introduction. Uh, we can turn back to the uh, book of Daniel, um, uh, chapter 1. If you have lost the page, it's 884. 
And so Daniel and his friends could possibly only have been 14. They were certainly very uh, young. They were all hand-picked and from high-ranking families, uh, if not from the royal family, uh, then certainly from high-ranking families. They all had the looks uh, we see there uh, in, in verse 4. They all had the looks of um, Hollywood film stars, but they also had what some Hollywood film stars lack, uh, an aptitude of, for every kind of learning, well-informed, wise and intelligent, and qualified to serve in the palace. But they had a choice to make about the cultural re-education or the indoctrination programme which they faced. They had a choice to accept it and embrace it or to refuse it. Admittedly, if they'd made that latter choice to refuse it, they may well have lost their lives. So what was required of them and how did they respond? So let let us look at Daniel's faithful stand. Um, first of all, they were required to study the language and literature of the Babylonians. We, we read that in verse, uh, verse 6, I think, um, verse 4, sorry. Um, they had to study the language and literature of the Babylonians. Well, they, they were skilled. They had the, uh, the gifts, the intelligence to be able to grasp the language. But what about the literature? That would have embraced all sorts of superstitions, astrology, music, the occult, and practices that the Babylonians followed. Those practices would would, would have been idolatrous uh, to them as God's people. But it's clear that although they studied their literature and gained knowledge in these areas, they did not participate in any of their practices their faith was preserved. John Stott, the theologian and preacher, spoke wisely on this. Christians need to be able to listen to the word of God in order to believe it and obey it. And they need also to be able to listen to the culture of the world, but not in order to believe it and obey it, rather in order to understand it and relate relate the gospel to it. And so Daniel said, uh, they accepted this program of learning. The second thing they were required to do, um, in verse 5, they were um, required to enter in the king's service. Again, that was something that they were able to accept. In verse, um, verse 7, they were given new names. Uh, Daniel's name meant God is my judge. Hananiah, the Lord is gracious. Michelle, who is what God is. Azariah, the Lord is a helper. All names that reminded them of who God was and that God was their helper. But now they were being asked to take on Babylonian names, names that would invoke the help of the Babylonian gods. It must have been incredibly painful to accept an answer to these names, but they were willing to do that. They accepted those names, but did not forget their true identity. But then there was the fourth thing, and this is the thing that we often think about 
of the thing that was a problem for Daniel. Um, verse 8. Daniel resolved, uh, it's a small matter of partaking of food and wine from the king's table. Verse 8, Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for, for, for permission not to defile himself in this way. Uh, it might seem that this was strange, that this was a problem for Daniel, that it would defile them. Um, when the fisher expressed concern at Daniel's request to be excused from eating and drinking from the king's table, Daniel put a proposition to the guard, as we see in verse 12. Please test your servants for ten days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. The guard um, agreed, and we know the outcome. After the ten days, they looked so healthy and nourished that they were able to continue... <coughs> with their diet of vegetables and water. So what was the issue about this food? It was not simply that the Babylonian food was not kosher, that is, it was not prepared according to the Jewish dietary laws, nor was the issue that the meat and wine had first been offered to Babylonian idols, for that would have been the case with the vegetables as well. And if there had been something intrinsically unacceptable about the Babylonian food, then Daniel would have abstained permanently from raw meat and wine. But, it, but we know from chapter 10 later on that in later years, Daniel did begin to take the food. So this may be a disappointment to veg vegetarians, but it was not about uh, vegetables rather than meat. That may be of some comfort to meat lovers. Um, the likely reason is that they wanted to choose a very simple lifestyle of eating food that grows naturally, uh, vegetables and grains, and naturally occurring water. And that would demonstrate their dependence upon God to sustain them, not upon Nebuchadnezzar. Also, probably in that culture, as in many, sharing someone's food symbolised a relationship with that person, an allegiance with them, and a loyalty to them. And one thing that Daniel wanted to guard against was that. He was willing to enter the king's service, but he was not prepared to do anything that would show any dependence upon Nebuchadnezzar, any personal allegiance, or any loyalty towards him. And it took courage to take that stand. He took a risk in refusing to take the king's food and wine. He did not know how the official would respond. And he had to trust God that their diet would not fail them. He decided what he believed to be right, and he resolved to do it, entrusting the outcome to God. So we see the faithful stand of Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah, but I think also in this chapter we see God's faithful rule. There are three specific instances. Uh, God's faithfulness, and we've already made reference to that, but we see it in, in verse 2. The Lord delivered Jeho Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. 
It was the Lord behind this. It wasn't simply the Bab Babylonians. They had greater military power. Yes, that's true. But it was the Lord who delivered Jehoiakim into the hand of the king of Babylon. The Lord was being faithful to what he promised he would do. Uh, the judgment was necessary, but we know that he did not then abandon his people. And then in verse 9, when David, um, now God had caused the official to show favour and compassion to Daniel. I think that was a great risk. Daniel put in that proposition to the official, refusing to accept uh, food and, and wine from the king's table. But God worked in the heart of that official and uh, caused that official to show favour and sympathy to Daniel. Without God acting, there could have been a very difficult, a very different response. And then in verse 17, we read, um, after the ten days, to these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning, and Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. So God, there was a good outcome from that test after ten days, but God gave knowledge and understanding. So God was still working and protecting these men and, and with them. And, of course, the Lord was faithful in delivering his people out of exile after 70 years. So what do we learn from Nebuchadnezzar's strategy of reprogramming and this program of indoctrination. Its aim was to obliterate the memory of Israel and God from the lips of those young men and to, still, and to instill in them a sense of total dependence on Nebuchadnezzar for all the good things of life. And that strategy is really Satan's strategy and he uses it today. In many nations of the world, we know that believers are persecuted in various and dreadful ways, including the use of torture. But Satan also has his non-violent means of attack. He likes to deceive and seduce us into forgetting about God and thinking that our blessings come from elsewhere. His fundamental goal is to obliterate our memory of the Lord to take our eyes off our Saviour, to convince us that only the things and pleasures of this world will truly satisfy us. He wants to forget us that we have dual nationality, that we're also citizens of heaven. But let us remember that Satan is the father of lies. But we are vulnerable to the attacks of the evil one. Jesus recognised this, for he prayed for his disciples and for all believers. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but the, that you protect, protect them from the evil one. So let us constantly look out for one another, encourage one another, share with one, one another, pray for one another and with one another. We really do need each other. I'm sure it would have been a bigger struggle for Daniel if he didn't have those three friends there with him and they were able to support each other in the choices and decisions they had to make. I'd like to finish where I didn't start. Um, I started with the quote, the world is falling apart, too many countries are falling apart. 
And that is absolutely not true. It implies that the world is out of control, and that is not true. Of course, the war in Ukraine, like every conflict or natural disaster, has again caused people to ask those questions, questions which are always being asked. Where is God, and why is God allowing this? And it may be true, I think it is true, that human depravity is becoming more apparent and that the extent and depth of the evil within the world is becoming more abhorrent to us, let alone to God. It is difficult not to come to that conclusion. But we read in Psalm 47, God is the king of all the earth. He reigns over the nations. He is seated on his holy throne. The kings of the earth belong to him. That was true throughout the time of the exile. It is true today, and it will always be true until there are no earthly nations and kings, but a new heaven and a new earth when God will rule in his kingdom with his people. Let us be those who unashamedly long for that day. And until that day, let us live as exiles in the world, living to honour the Lord Jesus Christ, to make Jesus known to those who have yet to gain citizenship of heaven. Let me pray. Dear Father God, we thank you for every good gift that you bestow upon us. Help us to enjoy them, but never to delight in them. Help us to take delight in you alone. Help us to be sought and light in this world and help us to long for that day when we will take possession of our glorious inheritance that you have kept for us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.